Hi, gorgeous. This is episode number 70 with Anthony Anorino, and I am so happy to have him back on the show. Hi, this is Anthony Anorino, and you're listening to the Heart Cells podcast with Christine Schlonsky. Enjoy. Anthony delivers so much value year in, year out. And I am so super excited that he is spending more time with us today and that he's also a guest teacher at the Sales Mentality Makeover Masterclass. If you want to join this free online event and learn from wonderful, outstanding, heart-centered teachers who teach about the spiritual and practical steps, how you can increase your sales and create true wealth without losing your authenticity, you will be in the right place. Hop on over to christineschlonsky.com. You find the podcast there, by the way, with all the show notes, transcripts, and resources we talk about. And you also find in the tab, the Sales Mentality Makeover Masterclass, a free online event. We are getting started very, very soon. So put yourself in the guest list today and you will get an update with all the information you need to join the class. Let's welcome back Anthony Anarino, an international speaker also and sales leader who publishes daily at the www.thesalesblog.com to help you be more, do more, have more and contribute more. Well, I'm so pumped that I have Anthony back in the show today. Welcome to Heart Sales Podcast. It feels like we just keep doing this over and over again, don't we? Yeah. We enjoy it though. It's wonderful. We do enjoy it. I love talking to you. Uh, I love the way you package sales. You talk about sales. You put your humor in. You're a human being, and um, I think people can just feel that you that you really are about service, and that you know the sale is something that comes totally natural. And um, you write a lot about sales as well in your amazing blog. Um, the salesblog.com is where people can have a look. So um, today I would love to kind of get back to the first conversation on hard sales where we talked about being authentic and where we talked also about um, not taking rejection personally because the other person has a blood sugar problem, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so if people haven't listened to it, uh, go back uh, to the podcast uh, number 69 and half a listen and um, so when did you learn not to take it personally the very first cold call I ever made wow the very first cold call I ever made so my mom raised four kids by herself I was the oldest of her four when I was 13 right in the middle of a recession she started a business with her business partner and they didn't even know they were in the middle of a recession but they did well and uh, I must have been 19 years old and they decided to start a light industrial staffing division of their recruiting company. And they asked me to open it. And uh, I went down and I started working in this office. And they said, when you have nothing to do, call people who might use temporary staffing and see if you can help them with anything. And I said, okay, I'll do that. And they gave me this little binder. It was like a little three by five card binder. And it had the script for how to ask for a meeting and how to overcome five objections. And that's what they had for me. 
And I didn't have anything to do. We were a startup. So uh, all, all I could do is call some people. So I started calling people. And the very first call I made uh, was to a company called Snare. And I still remember the company because it was my first call. And I called a guy and I started to read the script. And I said, hi, my name is Anthony Anarino. And I'm calling you today. And he said, wait a minute. He said, you're reading from a script. And I said, yeah. And he said, call me back when you don't need a script anymore. And he hung up on me. <laughs> He immediately hung up on me, my very first call. And I didn't know what to do because I was supposed to be trying to help this guy. So I called my mom and I said, uh, my mom was a, I mean, she cold called all the time. That's what she did to take care of her kids for $4 and 50 cents an hour on a draw. She's taking care of four kids, petrified of the phone. But by that time she was great. I mean, she's great with clients and kept clients for 30 years, but I called and I said, this guy just hung up on me. What do I do? And uh, I told her the story and she said, you call him right back and you say, I don't need the script. I need to ask you for a meeting. And I said, but he just hung up on me. And she said, I know, just call him back. And so I, I picked up the phone and I called him back and I said, listen, it's my first day and I don't need the script. What I do need though is to ask you for a meeting so I can come out and talk to you about whether or not we might be able to help you with temporary staffing. He said, okay, you can come out Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that worked. Uh, and I literally called him right back. And, and it's this, how do you get through the fear of, you know, somebody says no to me and then I have to continue to persist. That happened for me on the very first call. And it sort of set the tone for me of how do you engage with people and how do you think about this? He said, no, he hung up on me. Well, you call back. And you don't have to call right back like that. If somebody's really in a hostile mood, maybe you give them a little time and try them again. But you, you just have to believe that it doesn't mean anything about you. And um, if your audience is predominantly female, if you're predominantly women, women tend to be uh, more concerned, I think, uh, with men around some conflict like that. And, uh, and I would tell you, the fact that somebody rejects your offer says nothing about the value you create. So I'm going to, I'm going to say that again, because I want to make sure people understand what I'm saying. The fact that somebody rejects your offer says nothing about you as a human being or the value that you create for other people. It says they haven't yet recognized the value and you're going to try to do this again until you win them over time. You are still a whole human being. No matter when somebody rejects you, you're still whole. No, you have not been harmed in any way. So you can check yourself like, wait, Am I harmed in any way? And, and check your body. Go out if you want to. Look at your bank account. You know, your bank account's still there. Your house is still there. Your children still love you. No, nothing bad has happened. You just caught a person when they weren't either ready to perceive the value or they are really just grouchy right now. The rejection is not anything about you personally. And if it was, then you would have the right to feel something about it. But I would tell you, you don't have the right to feel anything about the rejection because it has nothing to do with you. All, all it means is they didn't perceive enough value in the conversation to say yes. So what do you do? Yeah. Create more value. That, that's the only thing you need to worry about. Yeah, and to call back, and not call to back. get hung up yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Give it another try. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you remember the very first thing you ever sold in your life? Yes. I was, fi was, I was 15. And I sold uh, a community group, uh, a bike-a-thon, where they would go out and collect money for muscular dystrophy. And they would have people in the community ride bikes and people would 
give them a donation based on the number of miles they rode, rode the bike. So I did that when I was 15. Um, that was the first thing I ever sold. How did it make you feel? Well, I, I felt nothing about it at that time because I left that job and I went to work at a skating rink where I was surrounded by teenage girls. And as a teenage boy being surrounded by teenage girls or cold calling, which one do you pick? Uh, they wow. called and begged me to come back because they said, you're the only person that's ever gotten anybody to do a bikeathon since we started. And I had two going at that time. Uh, and I felt good about it, but not good enough that I was going to go back and do it again. <laughs> I was 15. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. So, 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 you know, some people have like the amazing uh, uh, stories that they, I don't know, painted rocks and went to the neighbors and tried to sell the rocks or baseball cards. Well, I had a paper so route. I mean, I did that. I sold papers. Okay. But that was something people were buying and I didn't really have to sell anything. The bike yeah. was a different thing. I had to get people to take real action. Yeah, that's, that's, I think that's a pretty empowering feeling when the first person says yes to you. Uh, the first person, well, yeah, that's right. I didn't know they said yes, though. They, they did it, like they agreed to it, and then I left, and they started afterwards. So I didn't find out until somebody called me, but it still felt pretty good, oh. like I was successful. Okay, well, cool. And... Um, when when you think about people taking up um you know their passion and trying to make a business out of it um so sales in comparison what i see in the market right now is that a lot of people think the better their social media then sales comes by them by itself like you know, if I have like a Instagram going and my Facebook is great and I Twitter on a regular base and put nice pictures, people will just come naturally and buy from me. How, how do you see that situation? I see that as a very, very poor plan. I mean, I see it as a very poor plan. So social media creates awareness, but you have to drive people to act. So depending mm -hmm. on what, what, you sell. I mean, if you're selling something retail, like you're selling jewelry or something like that, you still have to get them to some page where you can make an offer. But if you're selling services, you need a conversation. So you have to be um, marketing in some way that says there's a way for me to capture information from people so I can engage with them and call them and ask them if there's something I can do to help them or invite them to have a, a discovery call to see if I might be able to help them where I'm going to give them insights and you know, every conversation that you have with a prospective client, I, I think you have to trade more value for the time than they trade in the way of time. So they have to get the best end of the deal. So that's even if you have, uh, Christine, even if you have a half hour coaching call with me to see if it might be a good fit, even if it's a no at the end of that, you're going to find tremendous value in what we share together. Um, what's a 30-minute meeting look like for you later this week? I mean, I, I'm going to have the conversation because you, in a service industry, you've got to start somewhere. And if in that 30 minutes I can create value for you, then we can decide whether or not there's a next step. But I think people are far too passive and they think because I have a website and because I'm on social media, the clients are going to come and find me. Sometimes they do. Most of the time they don't. You have to work harder. You have to get into a conversation where you can talk to people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I see that people, well, I feel that people are hiding from sales conversations Yeah. because the other, the social media advertising looks like more glamorous 
and it feels like less work or something they enjoy more to put up pictures instead of having those conversations where it could be a no at the end. Well, what happens when they see your beautiful pictures and they don't do anything? Isn't that still yeah. a no? Yeah, but they, well, there's no direct interaction, so they don't even know about it. Yeah. And then it probably doesn't hurt as much. I mean, um, look, there's 7.4 billion people on the planet and, and 7.3 billion, 990,000 people <laughs> don't care about what you do anyway. I mean, so they've all said no already. Uh, so who, yeah. who, who cares? I mean, you have to find that w what, what you called your soulmate, you call them your soulmate clients, right? Yes. Yeah. That's what you yep. called them. And that's right. You, you don't need 7.4 billion people. You need to find the, the 32 people that care so deeply about what you're doing that you're going to have a relationship and serve those people. You know, that, that's what you're really looking for. And I think you have to find them, you have to engage with them, and you need to talk to them. I've been thinking more and more about how, like how many hours of conversation do you need to have to really win a client? And I think it's far many more hours than people think it is. And they think, well... I have this website and it tells the whole story. They want to talk to you. They want to hear. They want to understand. They want to connect. They want to be confident that they're making the right decision. They want your insight and they want your, your sense of humor. And they want to know that you're a real person and that you care about them. Yeah, to totally agree. So when people get on the phone with you, what are the basics or the most important points that need to be in the conversation so that um, you can deliver value. Like if somebody's listening right now and thinking about their sessions, their get to know me sessions or discovery or strategy or whatever you want to call them, what needs to be in those that both of the parties get a pretty clear picture and then if it's a right fit, they can work with each other? There's, there's two things here that I would say. So I have a very, very nuanced and subtle view of this concept. So my, my view of this is if you want to create value for another person, the first thing you have to do is help them discover something about themselves. That's the first thing. So you have to bring an awareness to wait, there is something here. And then the second thing you have to do is to show them that there's a better future available to them and that they can actually make that transformation from where they are to where they want to be. You have to let them know that it's possible. And then you have to check and make sure that there's a fit because there are a lot of people who can do the same thing, but might do it in a way that's a better fit for some individuals. And you might be a better fit for other individuals. And so you do want to make sure that you're working with people. I like your soulmate clients. I call them dream clients, but I like soulmate too. Like we're going to be together for a long time and I've got those clients, but you want to make sure that you're working with people that are going to value you and value what you do and where you're going to have that relationship and you're going to help move people to the better place that they're trying to get to. Yeah. So would you also agree, like if it doesn't feel like soulmate or dream, you rather let go instead of persuading them to buy from you? Well, not everybody is going to be a dream client. And, you know, when you're starting out, you need to take clients. I would just say, don't take a nightmare client. I mean, don't, don't take a client who doesn't perceive value, who's not going to understand what you're trying to do, who isn't going to do the work. Don't spend your time with people who, are going to, well, let's call them energy vampires, right? They bite yeah. you on the neck and they suck all the energy out of you. And then you feel terrible at the end of the interaction. It's much better when you have people where you feel energized 
after you do the work. Yeah, totally agree. That's why I call them soulmate clients because I'm totally happy when I see them appearing in my calendar. I'm happy when I log in with Zoom. I'm happy when I talk to them and I'm even happier after the conversation. And We have to find find something we disagree on though. I'm not sure what it is. We'll have to find something over time. We agree on everything, right. so we'll have to figure well, out. Well, how about, <laughs> how about, I know that you are working a lot. Oh, like, here we go. Right? Um, <laughs> probably more than, than the average person. Like, what do you do to have, like, this harmony or kind of balance in your life? What, what does balance mean? Well, I'm not quite sure with a balance, and I had an interesting conversation around that um, with Bob Burke, actually. And he talked about harmony, like where everything kind of clicks and flows. Um, so what, what do you do to, well, do, are you in this state or are you like a regular human being having good and bad days? <laughs> like how do you create that harmony in your life? I, I have an amazing ability to get myself into a, an unresourceful state. I have an amazing ability to do that. I can talk myself into a bad mood very quickly. I can say something to myself like, these people are stealing my time. I mean, well, that sounds harsh, right? It's, it's not even that they're wasting my time. They're stealing it from me. So how, how negative do I have to feel about that? Really negative, right? Time's the single finite non-renewable resource every human being has and someone's stealing it. Uh, if I have to wait in a line, I can talk myself into that state. I, I don't have bad days uh, per se because I'm not I'm not wired for that. I've I've sort of always been wired for for some reason when I ended up here on this planet. I've just thought this has been the greatest thing that could ever happen. So I love this whole thing called life. I've always loved it. I've enjoyed everything that I've ever done. I enjoy it. So I feel I feel that way. But I am able to get myself into a bad state. But harmony. I mean, you're a human being, so you've got all this chemistry going on in this, this thing that we're stuck in this body. Right. So like a, they call it a meat covered skeleton, you know, with a soul inside it. I, I think that you have this chemistry and you're going through cycles of things like your energy is high, your energy is low. The balance isn't right. And you can not feel good because of that. And you can certainly have bad days. The harmony for me is, uh, am I living in line with who I really am. Am I, am I being more, doing more, having more, contributing more? Am I doing that? Am I making progress? Am, am I where I'm supposed to be? When I look back, am I going to say I serve people well? And, and, and and did I do the work that I was supposed to be here doing? And, and that's the part where it's harmony for me. So I work a lot of hours and you're a little critical, right? You, you think I should have more harmony? I, I work a lot of hours because I love what I do. Me too. And, and you know, as, as But we're trying to find a way to disagree. All right, well... So far, <laughs> we can't find anything. <laughs> well, let's... Well, do you have to have uh, a point to disagree with a human? <laughs> no, but I just think I'm trying to have fun with you. And if we had something, it would be good. We could have a really good argument. How many hours? Yeah, How many so- hours is too many? How many hours is too many? I don't know. Oh my goodness. You get the same illness I have. I'm like 94. Is 94 too many? Well, if it's not too many for you, I'm fine with it. (laughs) We can't disagree. (laughs) 
<laughs> See, I like um I like right now it's springtime here in Germany, so the sun is out, it's beautiful. And then whenever I feel like it, I just go and sit outside for a little while because I just can. I know I don't have anybody dictating me, well, these are your working hours. And then because you have some supervision, you need to appear like you're busy. Right. <laughs> right? So I just can go out, enjoy the sun. And then I come back to what I get to do, what I desire to do. Right? So um, I don't think there is like too many hours working if you really enjoy what you're doing. I love what I'm doing. Yeah. And that, that's why it's not really ever worked for me. It's all just how do you do what makes you happy and help other people? Yeah. Eventually we'll find true. something though. We, we will. I'll be we in will. Germany, you know, and we'll go to dinner or lunch or something like that. And then I'll say, we should go here. And you're going to be like, I hate that. I would never eat that. We'll have something. I don't know what it'll be. <laughs> well, you know, that, you know, if you would drag me to have meat, uh, that, oh, there that we go. Yeah. A disagreement. We're going to go to a steak <laughs> restaurant. I'm going to have a salad and French fries. <laughs> French fries. Yeah, that's good. Of course. No, I, I, I forgot about you being a vegan. Yeah, well, Vegetarian. I'm not a hundred percent vegan at the moment, but, um, I, I try to skip animal products. It's a good idea. Yeah. I just, um, I don't want to support the industry. Um, so. I do. But for, it's not always. I, I, t I tend to go vegan for about a year at a time. And then I don't feel well at the end of about a year. And then oh, really? I, okay. I feel better. And then I go back to being a vegan again for a while. Yeah, so I like it. I've done it. The longest stint for me was three years. That was hard. Yeah. I think it depends like really on the quality of, of the food, which is also sales related because I see sales as holistic. So if you feel great in your body, then you sell more mm -hmm. because you just have a different energy. Well, you, you can do that. I mean, even without being a vegan by just massively reducing a couple things, one, the number of calories you take in. So going longer periods without eating and reducing the calories that you take in will make you feel better. You'll sleep better. You'll feel better. You'll have better energy. And then, uh, for me personally, I feel bad if I eat sugar. So if I eat sugar, I feel bad and I don't feel bad for a little while. I feel bad for a couple of days and, uh, I, just reducing or eliminating sugar and for me, uh, bread, I, my energy is just way better. So I stay away from those things. No matter what I'm eating, I stay away from those because it would make me feel bad. I did the paleo diet for about a year. And at the time, my son was probably 15. He's 21 now, so six years ago. And we would go out on Friday night to the movie. So I would eat clean the entire week, except for six hours on Friday night. And between six and midnight on Friday night, I would eat pizza, popcorn, M&Ms, a Coke, a donut. And then I would feel so bad. I wouldn't be able to even look at bad food for the rest of the week. But then the next Friday night, I'd be ready to have another go at it. And then I'd feel awful the whole next day. And uh, so no more cheat days for me just because just even cheating for six hours. It's just. Not yeah. So you shouldn't do that before a sales conversation, right? No, you should be light. Yes. Don't, don't eat a lot and certainly don't eat anything that's going to cause you not to have great energy. Wonderful. 
So the best advice, have great energy so people can connect with you, with your and smile. true self. And smile. Yeah. <laughs> we learned that one. <laughs> and I really, really enjoyed this conversation. So I guess um, when I found some questions on how we can disagree, I would love to invite you back on Hard Cells. We're, we're going to figure out what it is that we disagree on. We're going to figure that out, definitely. And then and we're going to have a tremendous argument. Yes. Good plan. <laughs> and it'll be fun. People will be like, what happened to them? They sounded yeah. like they were getting along so well. But then this one thing. Me well, we, we figure that out. We promise that to people that we figure it out and have another conversation. And um, I thank you so much for all the wisdom, the fun you're bringing to Hard Sales Podcast. And uh, you have an amazing, amazing day. You too. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Even though Anthony and I did not find something to really disagree up on, I hope you had a lot of fun anyway and you learned a ton because he shared some really, really golden nuggets. So make sure you hop on over to christineschlonsky.com. There is a podcast tab. If you click, you get taken to the podcast page with all the amazing resources, the show notes, the transcripts, really cool graphics of the wonderful guests, as well as all the social links so you can connect. And as I said earlier, please join the Sales Mentality Makeover Masterclass to learn spiritual and practical steps to increase your sales and create true wealth without losing your authenticity. I cannot recommend it highly enough. I've gathered so many outstanding, super successful guests who teach you their knowledge. And the best news, this class is for free. Once you commit, and you show up when it is taught. So you can learn and everybody is sharing their success secrets with you. And I'm so super excited that I have the opportunity to offer this amazing event to you. So hop on over to christineschlonsky.com, find in the tab the Sales Mentality Makeover Masterclass, sign in and you are all set. Thank you so much for being here. I so enjoy having you have a wonderful day wherever you are in this beautiful world and bye for now.